You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. to get your Bibles once again, and, and I know we've read it several times uh, this month, but uh, let's do read it again, Ephesians chapter 2, and these are not expositional verses because we are preaching very topically this month. We are preaching through the five solas of uh, some would say the Reformation, I say of Christianity, of the gospel. Uh, these five solas were true before the Reformation. They were true during the Reformation, and they're true today. And I'll tell you more about those if uh, if you hadn't been with us. Uh, I'll tell you more about those here in a minute. But uh, let's read together. Verse 8, again, uh, uh, let's stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word one more time. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's our subject this morning. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And the reason that is our theme verse is because it has all five of the solas in it. I want you to look. For by grace, grace alone, you're saved. Through faith, faith alone. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The last one we'll be preaching about is to the glory of God alone. For we are His workmanship, now listen, created in Christ Jesus alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Please add the blessing to the reading of your word. I know you will. We ask above all else that through the teaching of your word today that someone would come to know you as Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to worship in spirit and truth. And we know that you will do a good work in Jesus' name. Amen. We've looked... We've looked at three solas already. They are Scripture alone. That is, that this is the final authority. This alone is God's authority for truth. Not the church, not the preacher, not a prophet. The authority alone for your life and my life and the church's life is that book right there. Christ alone. And in particular, salvation comes through the reading of God's Word, by the way, the hearing of the Word. We'll look at those verses in a minute. And it comes through Christ alone. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Christ alone. And then Adrian ably preached last week for us that salvation comes by grace alone, God's unmerited favor. Because we are sinners, we can't earn it. So God graciously has to give it to us. And that grace is carried into our hearts and makes makes fruition by faith. 
And that's what we'll talk about today, by faith alone. Next week, we'll talk about how it's to the glory of God alone. All right? Now, first of all, we got to define faith. Go ahead with that next one. There you go. Sola fide. Sola fide. That's why she didn't know if I was ready for that. That's the, the Latin term for faith alone. You say, why do you use the Latin? Well, that's what they used back in the Reformation. And when they preached this, that's what they would say. And I like to look fancy. Anyway, I know. It don't work, does it? Can't pull it off. Faith alone. Today we're going to look at that fourth solo, faith alone. And first of all, we've got to define it. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you the, the uh, uh, patent definition of faith from Strong's Lexicon. It says, it's a conviction of the truth of anything. Belief in the New Testament of a, is means of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor born of faith and joined with it. Wow. Let me give you a little bit more. Faith is a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. That's better. That's what faith is. It, it simply means to believe, to trust in, but it's more than just a head knowledge. The word believe or pistu, that's how you pronounce it in the Greek, and I, I want you to hear that for later, is the action form of faith. Excuse me, believe is the action form of faith. The word faith is pistis, and the word believe is pistuo, and it's just the verb form of faith. You have faith because you believe, right? It is not just believing in the existence of God and Jesus. It is the relying upon them and their finished work for salvation and trusting in and clinging to Christ to save you. It is, or the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, have faith in Jesus. Don't just have faith that he exists, but we have faith in him. We take what he is for our own to do what we need, and that is to forgive us of our stinking sin and to translate us from this old sinful world to a perfect heaven one day. Are you all with me? All right, good deal. A great verse that explains faith, and I got this in at the last minute uh, yesterday, is John 1.12. John 1.12. And matter of fact, I got in so late that uh, she's going to have to look that up. But look at it yourself. Look it up. John 1 verse 12. And it says, but as many as, now notice this word, received him. To them gave he the right to become the children of God to those who, what? Believe in his name. But that's an interesting word, to receive. As many as has received him. That word receive in the original language means to take with the hand, to lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. To take hold. I tell you where we see a great example of this is when uh, 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 
Israel, which was Jacob at the time, when Jacob got a hold of that angel, which most likely was a pre-incarnate Christ, he got a hold of the angel, and it says the angel couldn't, let, couldn't get him to let go of him. Now, I'm sure the angel could have let him, got him to let go of him, but uh, the point was this, is it shows how Jacob said, I, and what did he say? I'm not going to let go of you until you what? Bless me. That's what faith in Christ is. I cling to him to save me. I cling to him to forgive me my sin. I come to Christ to make me fit for heaven because I cannot do it myself. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's all right. Hence the appeal that the old time preachers used to make, take hold of Jesus. Take hold of Christ. It is saying, yes, I believe the Bible's account of Jesus, but I also am relying, relying on it to forgive my sin, to regenerate my dead spirit, to give me the righteousness of Christ, and to take me to heaven when I die. That's what faith does and is. The importance, though, I want you to see the importance of the... Of, by the way, let me give you this phrase because I'm forgetting it. It is justification by faith alone. You are justified, made right with God, declared by God not guilty by faith alone. It was the very thing that the Protestant Reformation was protesting about. The false doctrine of salvation by merit and calling for a return, and they were calling for a return to the true gospel. That justification comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Justification by faith alone is referred to as the material principle of the Reformation. The material principle of the Reformation because it was the central doctrine that was the issue for the Reformers. That you're not saved by indulgences as the Catholic Church was teaching or by doing good works or praying to Mary or the saints or penance or, uh, by the way, I'm saying penance, P-E-N-A-N-C-E, I think is the way it's pronounced. And I was listening to myself last week and it sounded like I was saying penance, but it's not, it's penance. And so they, they think you got to do all those things to be saved, to, to be baptized, infant baptism and, and say your rosary and all the things that merit and help grace. To help grace, that's a silly phrase. That's a silly phrase to say you got to have something to help grace. Well, then it's not grace. We'll see that in a minute. But that's what they were fighting against. Faith alone is referred to as the material essence because this is what the Reformers had issue with the Catholic Church is that they had gone wrong on the gospel. Luther called the doctrine of justification by faith or the teaching of justification by faith alone the doctrine by which the church stands or falls. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. If this church for some reason begins to teach that salvation is by any other means, it's useless. I don't understand these people that want to spend time in a religion that teaches that you can save yourself. Why do I need to go to a church? I can go on the lake on Sunday if, if, I, if I believe that or, or, or I, can, I, can just, I can be drunk or do drugs. I can do whatever I want to. 
If I believe that old doctrine and didn't believe that the, the Bible teaches what it teaches and means what it means, why do I care if the Bible isn't true? And then it's not faith alone that saves. The great debate was, is man justified by merit or by faith alone? The bottom line is this, and I've told you all this before. There is not many religions. There are not many ways, and I mean this in the sense that the world said, Oprah, although she says there's many ways to heaven, she's not true. Now, I know what we mean when we say she's not true. We believe there's only one way. But I'm saying that that's not true. Even if salvation by works were true, there are not many ways. There are only two ways. There are only two religions in this world. Those that believe the way to heaven is by good works and merit and those of us that believe salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Only two. You name me any denomination, you name me any religion, I will tell you they belong to one group. Either they believe you're saved by your works or they believe you're saved by grace and faith in Christ. We believe you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, by the way, just in case there's a misunderstanding. Now, first of all, in my main message, point number one, the most important question. First of all, I want you to see in this debate, what is the most important question? And you'll find that in Job 25. Job 25 and verse 4. Job 25 and verse 4 says, How then can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? It, it, by the way, it's not the fault of the woman. He's just saying anybody that's ever been born on earth, how can they be pure? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is a maggot and the son of a man who is a worm? That's why I hate it in our hymn book. And I've asked you to scratch it out when you sing at the cross where they have taken Isaac Watts' beautiful hymn and changed the words to, for, such a, for, for a sinner such as I. Scratch that out. You have my permission. And right above it, as Isaac Watts did, for a worm such as I. He was quoting scripture. Why in the world would you take that out? Now, the question is this, in verse 4, how can man be righteous before God? A, how can a man be righteous before God? How? How? Well, either he's got to live perfectly or he's got to find another way. So that's the question. And then... He complicates the issue with number two or B in your outline, the character of God. He says, how can man who is born of woman be justified with God? Because here is God. Even the moon does not shine. Now, wait a minute, brother. On the, road, the moon always shines. Not when God walks into the atmosphere. Not when God 
what Shekinah glory fills the earth. The Bible says one day that there will be a new heavens and a new earth, but there's only going to be one light, and it's going to be God Almighty, Jesus Christ in the flesh, in a Shekinah glory. And what he's saying is there that the moon, you couldn't see it if God's glory were to be revealed. And the stars are not pure in his sight. Of all of the heavenly celestial bodies up there, the stars are the ones that look the purest. Well, here it is. There, these are metaphors describing the holiness of God. God is so holy that he outshines the moon and the stars and the sun. God is so holy and high that the brilliance of the moon is, dim, is dimness compared to his glory. And the pure brilliance of the stars appear dirty next to his glory. So, he says there's a complication, or not necessarily a complication, but there's the standard. Here's the complication or the conundrum as I put it. How much less man who is a maggot and the son of man who is a worm? How are you going to be made right with a God that outshines the stars when you're a dirt eater? Now that's a metaphor. This is a metaphor for the condition of man. He is in character the lowest of low characters. How many birds have ever refused to do what God said? How many of the creation has ever rebelled against God? Only one, you and me. Contrasted with the purity that makes the brightest lights in the sky look soiled, man is a helpless, defenseless, slimy, dirt-eating creature. We are as far away from God as you can be. Why did he pick the birds? to be the head of his creation? Why didn't he choose the trees and the flowers to be the glory of his, his uh, uh, creation? Uzzah, y'all remember Uzzah in the Old Testament? They were transporting the Ark of the Covenant and, uh, and the Ark tilted and wobbled on its cart and began to fall and Uzzah wanting to help and keep the ark from falling, reached up and touched it. And immediately the Bible says God killed him. That God killed him. He said, why did he do that? Because he said, don't touch the ark. God said, don't touch the ark. The place where the residue of the presence of God dwelt and of which God had said, do not touch it or you will surely die. And when he tried to stabilize that thing from falling on the ground, he was struck dead by God. And R.C. Sproul quoted one of the greatest quotes I think I've, I've heard in modern times about this. He said, the presumptuous sin of Uzzah was that he assumed his hands were less polluted than the dirt. And he was wrong. He was wrong. Man is a sinner. And we say it, we don't think about it. We're not moved by it. My friend, do you realize how unholy you are compared to the holiness of God? And God's standard is not just be a good little boy and girl. God's standard is be as good as Jesus. Be as good as me. And 
You're not. How is sinful man ever going to be restored with a holy God? Well, there's two answers that men give. The first answer is this. Answer number one. They say that man can achieve a right standing before God by good works and merit of righteousness. Now, I want to tell you something. That's true. That is true. You can be so good that you can go to heaven. The problem is nobody can be that good. It's called perfection. It's perfection. A lot of people say, well, I'll tell you what, brother, I'm from now on, I'll do good. Yeah, but you've got to pay for those sins you've already committed. You say, well, I'll be extra good. Listen to this quote. It's mine, and I wrote it so I wouldn't forget it. How is doing what you're supposed to do anyway going to pay for doing the things that you were not supposed to do? You can't listen. It's already done. The crime has been done. And the payment for sin is eternal separation from God. You're doomed if you die in your sin. Seeing that all men are sinners, in Isaiah 64, 6 it says, but we are all like an unclean thing. All of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. That's you and me. You say, that sure is mean of God to talk about us like that. He's just telling us the truth. He's just showing us how far away from him he is. And my friend, remember this. It is God that has come to you. You've not come to God. He's the one that's been offended. You rebelled against him. You're the one that acts against him. And yet it is he who comes to you to save you. Martin Luther said, I had hoped. I might find peace of conscience with fasts and prayer and vigils with, uh, vigils with which I miserably afflicted my body. But the more I sweated it out like this, the less peace and tranquility I knew. So many people trying to get to God by their works and some people have deluded themselves into thinking that, yeah, they're good enough, but the real thinking person understands I haven't done enough. I, can't, I, I, I just never can get rid of this guilt. I can't get rid of this uh, uh, feeling of being away from God and uh, I'm just going to have to do more works. I'm going to have to flog myself. I'm going to have to pray more. I'm going to have to do this. And they ought to realize I can't do it. Now, let me tell you something. I want to give you the arguments against this. And they're all scripture. Now, just watch up here because I'm going to go fast and, and we got a lot of them. Number one, Romans 3.20 says, Now, if you think you're going to be saved by works and good deeds, listen to what God says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. I really don't need to go on after that, do I, brother friend? I mean, that's it. In, the, in his sight, for by the law is just the knowledge of sin. That's all the law does for you. It just lets you know that you are a lawbreaker. Romans 3.21, But now the righteousness of, righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. The righteousness of God, which is, by the way, what you had to have to get to heaven. The righteousness of God, and you can have that apart from the law. And it's revealed, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God... Through faith, simply believing, simply trusting in Christ Jesus to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference. Romans 4 or 5 says, But to him who does not work, 
but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. In other words, the person that is really righteous is those who come by faith, not those who come by works. Romans 9, 11. Romans 9, 11 says, For the children not yet being born, this is Esau and Jacob, they were babies, twins in their mother's womb before they were born, never having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand, but of him who calls. Look at verse 16. So then it is not of him who wills nor of him who runs. I'm going to run. I'm going to do it. I can attain salvation. All you're going to do is run out of breath and you're never going to be saved. But God who shows mercy. And on whom does God show mercy? Those who seek it by faith. Romans 11.6 And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But, is of, but if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Other work, otherwise, works is no longer works. I'm going to read that again. I messed it up. It's a difficult verse to understand, but let's take it. Look at this. And if by grace, talking about salvation, justification, if it is by grace, then it is no longer of works. Right? Because this is what the Catholic Church says, that, yeah, you start out with a little bit of grace. If you've been baptized as a baby, you start out with some grace. And then you do things along, it gives you more grace and more grace. And you've got to add to your grace these works and stuff. And actually what they're saying is we're unintelligent. You say, Brother Ron, that's harsh. No, it's not. Not according to this verse, it's not. Look at what it says. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. If you're saved by grace, you cannot be saved by works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. When you say that you get initial grace and then you have to do something else, you lied about the first part. Because grace cannot mix with works. And then it says, but if it is of works, if salvation is of works, it is no longer of grace. Otherwise, works is no longer works. Let me tell you what you do when you say, I'm going to be good enough to get to heaven. You're saying, Jesus, you're a fool for dying on that cross. 2 Timothy 1.8. Well, 9. But in verse 8 it says, God, that's how the verse ends, and then it says in verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now listen, not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Look at Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. How? That we might be justified, again, by faith in Christ. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And I don't mean to be mean, but you have to be, and I mean this in the truest sense of the word, not being a smart aleck, you have to be ignorant to believe that you can be saved by good works. When you read these verses. Ephesians 2.8 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is our text verse. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Now listen, not of works, lest any man should boast. My friend today, if you are going to heaven because you did good works, that verse is a big fat lie. Because when you get to heaven, you know what you get to do? God, I can't reach my back. I did good. I did good. I'm here because I did good. And God, if, if you can be saved by works, Brother Aaron, tell me if I'm telling the truth, then God's a liar and a thief of our glory. But he's not because salvation is 100% totally, start to finish, God's work. Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying you get... Now, we're going to go past the faith because it's included in this verse, but it doesn't say by faith. But he's going past faith into what happens when you place your faith in Christ. You get the Holy Spirit of God, and he does a miracle in you and recreates your dead spirit, and you're a new man in Christ. And you know what he says? You know how you do that? Not by works, but by faith. Well... If that doesn't convince you that works has not one bit, not one part of salvation, uh, I've, I've exhausted my ability to explain it. And I'm going to go on because here is how it is. Answer number two. Here is how you can be saved. Here is how your sins can be forgiven. Here is how if you don't smile, I'm going to run out and smack somebody. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. Here we go. Y'all ready? Answer number two. Faith. Trusting in Christ alone. Calling on the name of the Lord and he saves us. It is, the, it is believing in and trusting in the gospel message that through Christ's sinless life, his sacrificial death and his victorious resurrection, God forgives our unrighteousness and gives us his righteousness making us fit for the presence of God. How can a worm be made fit for the presence of God, that God will have to do it. And if you let him, or if, no, I say if you let him, that sound, that's not, not Bible, but if you'll place your faith in him, he will make you fit. Hallelujah. I gave a long list of verses proving salvation cannot be by merit. I'm just going to give two passages. It's a little lengthy, but that's all right. Two passages to prove, which, by the way, those other passages proved it was by faith, didn't they? But I'm going to give you two other that prove that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. What time do I have here? Oh, we got 15 minutes. That's about how long it is for me to read these verses. Here we go. John 3.14. John 3.14. You can turn there if you want to or be up here on the... Uh, that's all right. Hey, listen. I always want people to shout out to me. Amen. <laughs> John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was. That's talking about on the cross. It's not talking about evangelism, although it's not wrong to lift up Jesus in evangelism. But he was lifted up on that cross. Verse 15. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There it is, simply and true. 
And then that great verse, which might have been what this little girl was thinking about, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. But it continues. Verse 17, where am I here? For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he who believes in him... He who believes, faith, he who puts faith in him will not be condemned, will not be declared guilty. But he who does not believe is already condemned. Why? Because God don't need witnesses. He's all-knowing. He doesn't need a trial to know that you're guilty. But if you'll believe in him, it, not pay a fine, not do your time in some uh, limbo or jail cell, but if you will just believe in his gospel and come to him, he will save you from condemnation and he will declare you not guilty because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Listen, there's not a person in hell that's there because of all of their sin. They're in hell today because of one sin and that is the sin of unbelief. Romans 10, 9. If that verse, then those are the greatest verses on believing in Jesus, we would might say. But I don't know, Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you will believe faith in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, I... Why do we argue this? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And by the way, they're not talking about Ron the preacher or Tim the preacher or Aaron the preacher or Greg the preacher. They're talking about you the preacher. My friend, there's only one thing that brings sinners to the Lord, to, to, to the, the realization they need faith, and that is the preaching and teaching and the witnessing of his word. Everybody in this building ought to be a witness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through the hearing of the word, God brings sinners to himself. If it is by faith, it is by faith. But it must be faith alone. Why, Brother Ron? Did you not just read all of those scriptures? <laughs> Do I have to say, didn't you just hear what I just read? The Bible says, the Bible says, it is by faith alone. And here is the other reason. You have nothing to offer. The, uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards said, one of his greatest quotes, and I love it too, is, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. We have nothing to offer. If we had something to offer God, listen to this quote, 
If we had something to offer God for our own salvation, we would not need salvation. And all of this talk about being saved is a bunch of foolishness. We come to Jesus with nothing to offer, and yet he comes to us with everything to offer and to give. I'll do it if you're not. Woo! Glory to God, that's good. Let me read that again. We come to Jesus with nothing to offer, but he comes to us with everything to offer and to give when we trust in him by faith. Last week, Brother Adrian preached on grace, and he talked about faith as being a gift of God, and even faith is is given to us by God. But I want to tell you something today. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. You can be saved. You say, Brother Ron, I want my sins forgiven. Then you can be. The offer of coming to Christ and calling on his name and faith in him is to everybody. And this debate about is it just for the elect or is it just for everybody, I think is a bunch of foolishness. My friend, if anybody, elect or not elect, if they came to Jesus by faith, he would save them. Because that's what he says in his word. Now, I I believe in election, predestination, all those things, but I'm a moody Calvinist. I believe God uh, uh, saved the elect and God elects some more. Now, I don't think he's going to do that, but I want everybody who hears the gospel to come to Jesus. And I preach to every person, individual, boy and girl, red and yellow, black and white, come to Jesus. If you call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. He will save you. I love, and y'all have heard me use one phrase in this for 12 years, ad nauseum. We'll get ready to add some more nauseum because I'm going to use it again. (laughs) Not the labor of my hands. Can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know, any rest know. In other words, I'm just always zealous. Could I be zealous all the time? Could my tears forever flow? All of those for sin could not atone. For thou must save, and thou alone. And here it is. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked came to thee for dress. Helpless looked to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That's, that's two verses of Rock of Ages, if you didn't know what song that was from. Martin Luther, I'm going in with this. Martin Luther said back in the 1500s, he said, If you want to be comforted when your conscience plagues you, or when you are in dire distress, then you must do nothing but grasp Christ in faith and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. God's Son who suffered was crucified and died for me. In his wounds and death I see my sin. In his resurrection I see the victory over sin, death and the devil. I see righteousness and eternal life as well. I want to see and hear nothing except Christ. This is true faith in Christ and the right way to believe. Trust God. Brother Ron, I don't want to be a sinner. I don't, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be Christ. I want to be righteous. 
then come to Jesus. 